God's been good just to let me get to know you and be a part of this church. I'm, we're blessed here tonight. We really are. God has been good to our church. And um, we don't deserve it, but I sure am glad he's the God that he is because I don't know how people would make it without him. I really don't. I mean, you hear people say that, but we know, you know, the, the actuality of that. But I just mean, um, you know, I, I don't understand how they even make it emotionally. I mean, the world, uh, you know, I heard today, Brother Reed, there's another strain of this thing come out. And who knows what that's going to do? I mean, I, I don't know. I would get worse. I mean, I, I, every time I turn around, somebody's dying of it. I mean, I don't know it's, uh, what's going to happen in this country. Um, and uh, I'd hate to be without God and have no hope in this world uh, during times like this. I really would. And um, <clears throat> that's some of what we'll look at tonight. We'll go back to Hebrews chapter number 10. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> you'll have to forgive me. I've got this dry cough left over. Hopefully it'll, it'll go away eventually. And uh, so I apologize if I cough in your ear here tonight. But <clears throat> we have been looking at the... Um, uh, real well, the Bible says he's the subject of uh, every book of this Bible, really. Uh, to, the Bible said, to whom all the prophets give witness. And so we see Jesus nearly in every page of our Bible. Uh, but the book of Hebrews is kind of special in how it presents Christ. It just is a beautiful um, book and, and the way it um, presents him as our, of course, it's mentioned even here, the high priest over the house of God. And um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful picture. Some great truths that we looked at earlier Sunday. Uh, speaking of the sufficiency of Christ's atonement, his work on the cross, the sacrifice of himself. Uh, and, and starting really kind of in chapter 9 here. But it, it goes on through the first part of chapter 10. Uh, how that Christ put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And it's uh, contrasting that um, the shortcomings of the law. And how there was a remembrance, a reminder of sin. Uh, and it could never make the comers there too perfect um, as touching the conscience. And so um, the uh, contrast being made here, and I've, I believe personally uh, in the first part of this chapter, has been dealing with our standing. That's what we dealt with most Sunday. We dealt with mainly our standing. And our standing before God tonight is perfect and complete in Him. And uh, that is including your sins, your sins, positionally speaking, uh, you are perfect in Jesus. When God sees you, he sees the blood of his precious son and your life is hid with Christ in God as you stand positionally. Uh, but we also know there's still uh, the, the matter of the state or uh, the matter of the uh, practice and not the position. So we've been dealing with the position. He's going to turn to the practical. Dealing with the standing, he's going to deal with the state that we're in. And right now, uh, spiritually, we're seated in the heavenlies. Um, we are, um, uh, Christ is up there in body. We're down here in body, uh, up there spiritually. He's down here spirit in the spirit. Uh, so he's talking about how we are alive and remain and uh, the, the great importance that we um, have in walking worthy of the Lord. And he, as, as you have received him, so walk ye in him. And that we're commanded to perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And the God of all grace has sent us the spirit of God. And he's teaching us that denying ungodliness, we should live soberly and righteously and godly. Not when we get to heaven, but right now in this present evil world. 
And um, so I thank God for that. And he can expect that of us because he has given us uh, all things pertaining to life and godliness. So um, he has a high expectation for us for many reasons that we won't go into much. But um, we switch gears from that standing of standing perfect in Jesus Christ, uh, positionally speaking. Uh, and we kind of he kind of switches gears here. Uh, and he talks, goes, moves more to the state when he deals with um, uh, verse number 26. When we get back to verse number 26, uh, we start looking at what that means. And so uh, we've been dealing with the uh, sacrifices that uh, were made in the Old Testament, how they couldn't, they were insufficient, and how that Christ uh, once for all put away sin, his great sacrifice of himself. Isn't that just a wonderful truth to hold on to? Uh, his position Traditionally speaking, all your sins in his body on the cross, and uh, he bore in himself the sins of the world. And um, the Bible said that God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And so uh, he died not, he's a propitiation, the Bible said, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Uh, his sacrifice was sufficient to save anybody that'll turn and serve him. And so uh, I appreciate that, that um, nothing, nothing was wasted. I don't know how people come up with that. Uh, but it was sufficient uh, for any person that will come to God by him, uh, they can be saved. And so uh, I appreciate this great truth that's been laid out here for us and how Jesus uh, came to do the will of God for us who could not do the will of God. Um, so not only in the negative, but in the positive sense of it, uh, your sins were in his body on the tree and not only, and not just in what you didn't do, but what you couldn't do. He, he fulfilled that for you. And so now he's provided some possibilities to us and we'll look at a little bit of that. We'll start, let's go back to our reading. We touched on this a little bit, but let's start again in verse number 26. So let's remember now so that we don't lose sight and, and, and lose the, uh, the blessed truth that he's trying to give us is uh, in drawing nigh with a pure heart uh, and, and full assurance. So what's the assurance? The assurance is faithful is he that promised. Right? My assurance is in him. And he wants you to know that you're, you've been perfected forever. Them that are sanctified, those that have been purged from their sins, you've been perfected in Christ. And he wants you to, to not doubt and not fear of your standing before God. If you're saved, you positionally stand perfected in Christ Jesus in the sight of God. And you've got to have that and to hold on to when the waves of life come crashing in on you. Uh, you need to know and understand that you belong to God and you belong to God because of Jesus and you'll stay belonging to God because of what Jesus did and shall do for you. And you're positionally safe and sanctified and protected and, and, and made perfect in this man named Jesus. And if that's forever, it will never change. That is for all of eternity. And that's not to give you the assurance or the liberty to go sin. That's the liberty to please God, the liberty to serve 
serve him, the liberty to please him, the liberty to love people, uh, the way God has in shedding his love abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So uh, thank God for our position that we have in Jesus. You've got to hold on to that. It's just the same if you think about it, uh, positionally uh, positionally, uh, dealing with things first and dealing with the Christian before he lays out a lot of these expectations and giving you that positional assurance and and, and giving you that uh, hope in your soul to this man named Jesus and reassuring you of your position. Uh, it's just the same kind of that he does to the sinner. He assures him of his position. His position is dead in sin, without God and without hope in the world. And uh, our position is alive unto God through Jesus Christ, right? Without sin. And so, uh, anyhow, and so uh, uh, it's uh, something that um, uh, we need and we need to be reminded of constantly of the great love in which uh, the Bible said, when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And when you were yet in your sins, right, he loved you when you were unlovable. And so thank God for that. Then he's going to turn now because he's talking to Christians, Right? He's talking to saved people. And he tells those saved people, let's draw near. Now, a lot of people, I read several commentators that wanted to say, let's draw near to one another. Well, I agree with that, but not in the sense of that being the object. The object is to draw near to God. And as we all get closer to God, we come together. Right, so we need to draw nigh to one another. That is, the, in the in the in the context, that's kind of what he's saying. He's talking about our love to one another. He's going to talk about assembling yourselves together, exhorting one another, provoking one another unto love and good works. As four days you should walk in them, then it's a good thing for me to provoke you unto that. Right. So we're supposed to encourage, exhort, and assemble together and love each other. Not look on our own things only, but on the things of our brothers and sisters. And so, in context, it is a unity thing, but we'll not get it by trying of me trying to get close to you in that sense. If I'll get close to God and you'll get close to God, we'll bump into each other. Right? Well, naturally, what's our, what's our fellowship? Our fellowship's in Him. Everything we have is in Jesus. And so our fellowship's in the beloved even. And so He says, let us draw near. And uh, um, He said... Um, let us hold the fast our profession, consider one another, not forsaking the assembling. Verse 26, he comes down to, and that's where we kind of left off last time. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. So what's he been saying? He's been saying there was a constant offering for the sins. Why? Because it never affected the, it never, uh, it never purged them. It never got rid of them, right? It just uh, uh, atoned for them for a period of time. And so it never put away sin. And so um, he's been saying that all along, that the law was unable to do that. But this man, Jesus, who has a priesthood of good forever, uh, when he made the sacrifice of himself through the, through the Spirit, uh, he has perfected forever and purged all your sins. And so he contrasts those two things. And so so when he says uh, unto us, uh, for if we sin willfully, there's no more, remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But the second time he said that, uh, when he said there's remaineth no more sacrifice, what he's saying is that Jesus doesn't have to do anything else to help you with your sins today or tomorrow or to forgive your sins tomorrow than he's already done when he died on Calvary 2,000 years ago. What he did on Calvary was effectual enough to cleanse the sins that you'll ever commit. 
That's why he's faithful and just. He sat down in the heavens because he doesn't have to make any more offerings. What he did paid for the sins of all of humankind for all of eternity. They're done. They're paid for. And so what he's trying to get us to see there, he's not saying, well, see, then you'll lose it because there's no more sacrifice. People like to use that. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, is exhorting you again to the sufficiency of Christ's atonement. And he's saying, then what you need to do is go faithfully to your advocate with the Father and ask him to be to forgive you and ask for mercy for uh, uh, confess and forsake those sins and he's faithful and just forgive them and cleanse not just forgiven that's the kind of the definition of purging it goes beyond a beyond a forgiveness they're cleansed they're washed away they're gone when he cleans them now how he's able to do that he's able to do that because of what Christ did on Calvary right so it's good for all of your sins. So what do I do after I'm saved and then I sin? What do I do? Am I going to have to do it and make a turtle dove now and, and sacrifice bulls and goats? No. Is Christ going to have to do anything? No. What you're going to have to do is what you did when you got saved and just get on your face before God and ask for mercy. Right? Ask him to cleanse you. And he's faithful and just to do that. Yes. That's what he's saying. Christ needs to do nothing else. No, 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 uh, no priest in a Catholic church needs to do anything. Nobody can do anything other than to, to perfect or to improve upon what Jesus did when he died 2,000 years ago on Calvary. Nothing can be added to that. Amen. Sufficient. What Jesus did is sufficient for 2020 for all your failures, and it'll be sufficient if God lets you live a 2021 for all your sin. And if we live to 2022, guess what? Still going to be sufficient was the sacrifice of himself when he paid for our sins on the tree. Hallelujah. <laughs> and that doesn't drive me to sin. That drives me to humility and to thank God and ask him to help me to live as holy and perfect that I possibly can because he deserves that kind of thing out of me. Amen. And if it, don't, if it don't put some of that in you, I'll worry about you. I'd be concerned about having uh, uh, an attitude of, uh, well, I'm under grace, so let's sin because we're covered. We can do anything we want to. I don't think so. Uh, you were bought with a price, right? You don't live any way you want to. You live the way God wants you to live. Amen. And we're still struggling with that. Brother Jones, if you asked him tonight, you know what he'd say? Still working on it. Amen. You know what Paul would say if you asked him, the aged Paul? He'd say, I'm still working on it. And God's still working on me. When he said faithful as he has promised, Brother Allen, when he said that, faithful as he has promised, and don't cast away that confidence, faithful as he has promised, you know what he's saying there? You know, you know, you know the faithful promise? For God, you are the workmanship of God. You're his workmanship. Created unto good works for the four days you walk in there. But the Bible said he's begun a good work in you. And he promised and said he shall perform the work that he started. He will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. So you may slack off and you may, you may uh, let your guard down. You may back up, backslide, get cold, whatever you want to call it, but not God. He sure isn't. He promised and he's faithful. He started a work in you and he's going to perform it. Amen. God's working on us. I thank God for that. This stuff just puts a smile on my face, Brother Jones. <laughs> I don't know anything else that makes me happy anymore than these Bible truths. 
Just knowing, hey man, just knowing God, your sins are forgiven and you're in Jesus and 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 and, and that He'll never give up on you. I mean, I, I don't think anybody would ever intentionally give up, uh, but we're warned against it, lest you grow weary and faint in your mind. So evidently it's a possibility that you could grow faint. I mean, he talks about the end of the chapter, he's going to talk about a backing up, a, uh, uh, um, a slacking off or however you want to put it. And, um, and, and you know what, help, you know what encourages, it doesn't encourage me to want to slack off. It encourages me to want to keep on enduring, keep on persevering, keep on going for God because he will never give up on me. How can you not love somebody that won't ever quit you? <laughs> How can you not love Jesus? He'll never give up on you. So, hey, some people since they've been saved, we've probably all done enough to go to hell since we've been saved. And God still will not give up on us. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank God he won't quit me, brother. He's not going to quit us. Amen. Thank God. So he said, let us con- uh, uh, not forsake the sin of ourselves, for if we sin willfully, there remain no more sacrifice. And, uh, but if you don't repent of these sins and you don't deal with sin in your life, I can tell you as a Christian, now as a lost man, it didn't produce this. I had no godly sorrow. Right? I, I, the only thing I was worried about was your parents catching up with you or whatever. But now as a Christian, you've got godly sorrow in your heart. There's something inside of you, the Spirit of God, when you do things that are contrary to His nature, contrary to His will, things that displease Him, there's something in your heart that just, just breaks. It's that godly sorrow that's in your heart. It's your, 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 your uh, uh, unrepented sin in the life of a Christian, I'm telling you, will produce a dreaded, fearful of judgment because you know God's not going to let you bow with it. And I'm telling you, what do you mean he's not going to let me buy with it? He's going to kick me out. of. I'm not going to be saved? Absolutely not. He just told you that you've been saved and saved forever by the blood of his son. That question's been answered. I don't know why we're even talking about that. We're saved forever and forever for all of eternity. Why are you even worried about your sins taking you out of the Father's hand? He engraved you in the palm of his hand, and that shall never change. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. The blood can never enter in by a circumcision that was made without hands and you're sealed by a spirit where sin can never penetrate. You'll never see that man that's created after the image of God, that, that new man can never sin and he'll never die. <laughs> and so that's not the question tonight. The question is not in position, it's in pleasure. Right? My, my, this condition, this, this, uh, this testimony is what we're dealing with now. The Bible said in, in, in Hebrews chapter number 11, you know what the Bible said of a man in Hebrews chapter number 11, Taylor? He said, there's a man named Enoch. And Enoch had this testimony while he was alive on this earth that he pleased God. That's what we're dealing with in this chapter. We're dealing now, at the end of this chapter, we're dealing with pleasing God. And Enoch, the way he lived his life, pleased God. Did you know? Now, this ought to, this ought to put even us overweight people at a place of wanting to run. Did you know? Even people with hurt feet, too, would get up and run on this one, Brother Reed. Hey, Brother Shane, did you know this? This, this ought to thrill any of us. You know one thing I couldn't do when I was lost? And I even wanted to when I was under conviction. I could not please God. I couldn't. 
There was nothing that I could do. You say, are you kidding me? And I've done some nice things for people. I did it selfishly, but I did some nice stuff for people. They didn't say thank you. I'd smack them with something, but I'm kidding. Sometimes I'm kidding, I think. I don't Anyway, I couldn't please God. The Bible said that my righteousness is filthy. So disgusting, I wouldn't even really preach the definition of it. It's absolutely disgusting. God said your best second, your best act that you could conjure up as a lost man was filthy, was disgusting to him. I could not please God in any way. But after I got saved and Jesus indwelt me by the Spirit of God, you know what I have the ability to do now? I have the ability to please my Father. And I don't know about you, but man, when God saved me, there was a yearning in my heart to want to please God. You know what happens to us as we go along, we go through this suffering, we lose some of that. We kind of get selfish and we start thinking about pleasing ourselves and how unhappy we are and we don't deserve this and all those kind of things. But man, when we first started out, we could have cared less about all that stuff. All we wanted to do was just please God. Man of God, get up and preach on them TVs. I went and bought one back. I told you about that mess. I should have left it gone. I tell you, I'm better off without it. Vox News ain't brought me no peace either. Man of God, preach on something. You know, when I got saved, Cody, when I got saved, I had a necklace. You ought to see pictures of it. I had blonde hair, too. I'm telling the truth. And you know, I had this necklace on. And one man wouldn't let me preach. He wasn't man enough to tell me he wouldn't let me. He told somebody else and they told me. Which I thought was pretty cowardly, but whatever. If he'd have told me, you know what I'd have done? I'd have took it off. But I, my grandmother gave me that necklace. And I heard a man preach. It's probably Phil Kidd. I don't know. He used to preach against colored socks and everything. But I heard somebody preach on it at some point in time about a necklace. A man, a man on a necklace and having earrings and long hair. And you know what I did, brother? I just took it off. No questions asked. I heard, I heard a man get up and preach against men wearing shorts, and I thought, well, bless God, I don't know where he's going, but I'm going to do it. Now, I'm not going to do like Brother Bearden. He'd pull, his, he'd pull his shirt, he'd pull his pant leg up and put it up there, and you could see the choir pews through it. That man's got transparent legs. I guarantee they've never seen the sunshine. And, uh, but I haven't, you know, just, uh, they, they would just preach those things. And I was just sensitive. You know what it was? I mean, even things that I, you know, I don't, I, you know, I'm not splitting hairs with people and, and preaching that stuff. You understand what I'm trying to say? What I'm trying to say is in my, and in the innocent and just in, in the pureness of my heart, I just wanted to please God. We've lost some of that. You know, we've just lost some of that. It's, it's just gotten to be, we, we've gotten, we've gotten our, our focus, our love and attention off of the, th- the proper places they should be. And instead of pleasing God, we're, we're caught up with pleasing ourselves. And, and you know what? None of us are happy for it. None of us have any peace about it. Right? I mean, at what, you know, there is nothing more satisfying to the heart, I'll say the heart uh, um, of a Christian than satisfying and pleasing his father. You young men, can I ask you something? Even if you don't like your daddy, and you older men too, remember your daddies. Did it not feel good if for one time, and I can't know, I, I don't really know if my daddy ever said it. I don't know. I'm not going to deal with my daddy issues tonight. I'm going to tell you something. But did it not feel good to have your daddy say, that's a good job, I'm proud of you. 
You know, I mean, I know that's carnal. But did the Bible not say that there's a chance he'd look at you and say, enter thou in, thou good and faithful servant? Boy, I'd like to have God say that about me. Well, you want God to be able to say he had a testimony and his testimony was he pleased God. So well, we can't do that. We got coronavirus and Biden for a president. That made some of you cringe real bad. Yeah, you can do it. You know why you can do it? Because there's been men that have gone through works. And Paul said you have a salvation that's effectual to the enduring of the same afflictions we also suffer. You can please God if you want to. You know what the problem is? Most of us don't want to. Now you can blame it on what you want to blame it on. I'm not trying to be ugly, but I'm just going to preach. You can blame it on anything you want to blame it on. You can blame me. You can blame my wife. You can blame the church. You can blame whoever you want to blame. The fact is, if you're not pleasing God, it's because you don't want to please God. There, there, there's no excuses. If you want to do right, a Christian can do right in the most horrible environments that you've ever seen. There is, there is, there, 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 during Hitler's reign, there were churches in Germany that stood against everything, were persecuted, many of them killed, many of them shot, tortured. There was many of them that caved to it because they didn't want to stand for the truth. But there was plenty of them even in that environment that would stand and try to please God with their life. And I believe if they can do it, we don't have a whole lot of excuse. Do you? You want to please God? How about you young people? You want to please God? There ain't nothing else in this life worth living for but just pleasing God. Because you know what? You'll never please nobody in here. Can I give you a newsflash? And I broke this in on my kids, the newsflash. You'll never satisfy me. You'll never please me. Because if you, even if you serve God, you won't be serving God good enough. I'm going to always be pushing you on to do better. Amen. Right? But God said that this man had a testimony that he pleased God, and so can you. Now, I want a purpose in my heart. I don't know about you, but I want a purpose in my heart to please God this year. I want to do that. I want to do it tomorrow. And that's how it'll start. You want to please God next year? You want to make a difference in your life? Just get up tomorrow and start tomorrow. And don't quit. Amen. Now, let's go on. We got to go. All right. How much more? Uh, so, uh, for if we sin willfully, there may no more sacrifice. A fearful looking for a judgment, fiery indignation is what it produces in us. Uh, but he that despised Moses' law died without mercy on two or three witnesses. How much more sore punishment suppose ye? Shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified? Does that sound, that's a saved man. There's no lost man that was sanctified by the blood of Jesus. Right? So this is a saved man who has willfully got into rebellion against God and has chose to stay in it instead of repenting and turning to God from it. Right? And it's produced this fearful looking for of judgment because he knows God's going to deal with it. Because God said he would. Of how much more sore punishment or a holy thing and despite the spirit of grace. Verse 30, for we know him that has said vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. And so verse number 31 say, folks, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Can I tell you something? I'm going to testify to you something my, old, my first pastor ever told me. I'm going to do as fast as I can. But God can do a whole lot worse than kill you for what you're doing. Do you know that? God can do a whole lot worse than that. He can let you live and he can live, let you live with the assistance of machines. And you can live and you can live miserably. And God can drag it out for 20 years and let you lay in a bed suffering. God wouldn't do that. Oh, yeah, he would do. So are you trying to scare me? Oh, I absolutely am. 
You ought to be scared to death to live in open rebellion after God spurs you from your sins and, re- and, and stay in that mess and not repent of it. Right? Amen. Come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, sin's going to destroy your life. Lost or saved, you better get that stuff right with God. Don't stay in that mess. And it's encouraging. It's just, this is not meant to bash people because what he's saying is there's no need for you to live that way. What Christ did on Calvary can get you out. Amen. That's the encouragement of this chapter. The the same sacrifice that got you out of this world and translated you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son can purge your sins now. You don't have to live in that mess. (laughs) Hallelujah. That ought to encourage you to do right. Encourage you to repent. Encourage you to get down somewhere before God and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know what you'll find? The same merciful God that you found when he saved you and birthed into his family. He's never changed. Hallelujah. Say, well, how long can I go on like that? I don't know. I don't know. That's not the point. The point is, we need to do all we can to live right. We are saved. God expects more out of us. Right? And God's going to deal with his people if you don't. Say, well, it doesn't matter how I live. I think it does, do. Hey, don't get down about it. I'm not trying to remove any conviction. If you're convicted over stuff you're doing and saying and watching and listening to, you ought to be convicted. You ought to feel ashamed of it. Not trying to remove that. But what I do want you to see is the sufficiency once again of a Savior whose name is Jesus. Who purged your sins and practically speaking, He can clean you up and not only forgive you, but He can cleanse it to the degree it will never be remembered against you anymore. He will never answer for it. He will cleanse it and purge you and give you power to overcome it. What a loving God. J.C., what a Savior. Amen. Now, as quick as we can, for we know him the same same mind, a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the God. Look at verse number 32, but I call to remembrance the former days which you endured, uh, excuse me, which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fright of afflictions. Now, uh, you'll see terms like that used. This is just, in my opinion, referencing being born again. It's like oftentimes you'll see believing, uh, summarizing uh, salvation. Sometimes you'll see under repentance, summarizing salvation, and they won't be mentioned together. And then oftentimes you'll see repentance and faith mentioned together. But here's another word, illuminate. That's necessary in the process of salvation. He's talking about when you were saved, when you were awakened to your need of Jesus. You're awakened to your uh, sinful condition against the holy God. When you were illuminated by the Spirit of God, you endured a great flight of affliction after you got saved. You endured a fight. We're in a war, folks. Right? Say, well, I'm not in a war. I just, I just uh, go home, sit on the couch, and watch TV. I'm not in any kind of war. You better get back in the position doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right? We're in a war. We're in a fight. We're in a battle against principalities and powers, not against flesh and blood. Right? Warring a good warfare, fighting the good fight of faith. And so he says here that after you were illuminated, you endured a great flight of a fight of affliction. So I'm going to mention these quickly to you. I told you I was going to give them to you quickly. And uh, I'll try to do that here just about as quick as I can. Uh, but he starts out in this, chat, in this verse here. And he said, partly while you're made a, uh, excuse me, that called to remember the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great flight of afflictions. And so let me just give you this quickly. 
some things that sufferings produce. I mentioned them a little bit earlier. Uh, this uh, first thing that uh, uh, suffering and trials and afflictions can produce is courage. Boldness would be a good word, but I'm trying to stay with my alliteration. Getting through some fights, what, what he's calling their members to, Brother Shane, he's saying, hey, don't, don't sit there and look now. How are we going to get through this, God? Hey, you got through it before. We've been through some worse stuff than a virus. How many of you still in this church have been through some church fights in your past? And so now, you know what? You've got a little courage in your heart. Something else comes up that ain't going to knock me out. I've been through worse than this mess. Puts a little, it puts a little boldness in you. Puts a little courage in you. And, uh, puts a little, uh, not confidence in yourself, but confidence in God. God's able to see us through this. He got us through fights of afflictions. He said, you know what you got through? You got through approaches. You got through reproaches, people, severe, harsh language, people that were, uh, people that were making fun of you and bad-mouthing you and saying horrible things about you, which hurts, by the way. That sticks and stones stuff ain't true. I'd rather somebody punch me in the face and go around and tell lies on me. Amen. They're just racking it up, buddy. I got to pay them every one of them amens. You, you went through reproaches. You've, you've been through people lying on you, bad-mouthing you. They've said some of the awfulest stuff about you. I mean, stuff, I mean, just horrible things. You got through those reproaches, and you were made a gazing stock. We don't use that much. We use laughing stock nowadays. Uh, but it's for pe- people that just stare at you with a scornful disapproval is what that means. You're, you're put on display for people to look at with this disgust. Everybody, know, everybody see this? That's what people do when they look at you. What's wrong with them people's nuts? Dressing like that? Always going to church? They're in a cult over there. That's what they are, a cult. All kinds of things been said on you. And then he uses this word right here. He said, uh, you've been through afflictions. You, you've been through, you've been made a gazing stock and you've suffered reproaches and you've suffered afflictions. You've suffered real deep pain. Some of you even Physically. You've had to trust God with your health. I mean, I mean, I know people right now, of course, there's probably some in here that you've been, on, you've been knocking on death's door and God delivered you from that. You talk about some despair, thinking you're going to die. That'll put some despair in your heart. You've been through despair. You've been through physical pain. You've been through the pain and the hurt of people uh, tearing churches apart. They, your best friends lied on you and walked off on you and said they'd be with you forever. That stuff hurts being betrayed. I think Brother Jones mentioned some of this stuff in his, in his uh, seriousness of soldiering, but Brother Wells has got a good book on that betrayal, being betrayed. It hurts, buddy. To put confidence in people and to love them. I had it happen to me this week. I'm telling you, you put so much in people and you try to love them, and the more you love them, the less they love you. They're like high school girls. If you pretend you don't like them, they'll be all over you. If you boys like a girl, don't ever let her know. <laughs> Start paying attention to her friend, and you'll get her. That's a joke. Please. Please don't listen to that. As they grow up, they'll get through that stuff. But it's true for a while. But you don't have to worry about it anyway. We ain't fooling all that dating mess. Now, listen. So, you've been through reproaches. You've been through, I bet, I wish Brother Joan, Brother Reed, some of you men could stand up and testify to the stuff you've been through. And God saw you through it. And you've gotten through times you didn't think you were even going to make it through that. 
Whether it was caused by somebody else, whether it was natural sickness and pains, and man, you got through that, and you know what it's done? It's put a little courage. I, I, I mean, it's put when you when you uh, uh, let me give you a carnal example, you young boy. When you when you get together and y'all won that first game, y'all won. It put a little courage in you, didn't that you could do it? Because didn't nobody under heaven and earth think you were ever going to win a game? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know what I'm talking about? And you, say, and you win that game. Think, hey, we're, we can do this. Now, I'm not talking about putting a confidence in self. But I am put, talking about putting a confidence in, you know what? I can, I, you get through some things, it'll put some courage, some fire in you. And that's what we need. We got people bailing out on churches left and right. They need some good old gumption in their gut and say, I'm going to stand for God. I'm going to stand for my church. And I'm not going to walk off on people. I'm going to stay through it. I'm going to fight through it. God saw us through it before. He'll do it again. Well, courage in you to fight. God didn't call cowards into his army. He was the people that will fight for the truth. There's enough of them being willing to compromise with every standard. They're compromising with every bit of truth they can do to grow numbers. And God wants men that are willing to fight. I don't know where this effeminate sissy type man came from that was a, that's picturing a Christian man. God don't want no Christian man to be no sissy, no effeminate man. God wants a man to be a man. Be a fighting man. Be tough. Be real. Be something for God. I'm not talking about physically all that. I'm talking about even emotionally, even more challenging than that. Anybody can go out and win a fight, just get a ball bat and hit them with that. But these spiritual battles are serious, buddy. They'll take the toughest man out. You get, you get uh, uh, tempted with sin, it's liable to get the toughest of anybody. Toughness and muscles ain't going to help you, buddy. You better be strong in God. Stand strong in the grace. That's what you need. Now, oh, quicker, i got to go quicker. Y'all pray. Okay, so uh, it gives you some courage um, uh, to be able to stand and be able to get through these trials. He said, look, you've been through them earlier. God saw you through them. And what God's given you, he didn't short you of any kind of strength. God give you the power of God. You've been in those verses there by the exceeding greatness of his power. And in in those few verses, it gives, I believe, all three or four different words for, for that. And uh, for that power. And uh, so God's given us something that's powerful. You can endure afflictions and trials. And you say, I'm not going to make it. Oh, yes, you are going to make it. You can make it. Some courage in you. And so these trials, uh, we need to look at them. This 2020 that we've suffered through, we don't need to hang our head in the sand. We need to just thank God for putting a little courage in us. Look at what we've been through. And God's seen us through it. Some confidence in God. So you get out there and get going through something, you don't have to say, well, God's left me. He ain't going to help me. No, God's helped you before. He'll help you now. God's not going to abandon you. Put some courage in you. Now, look at this. Uh, verse number 33, he said, partly whilst you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, uh, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. Can I say something quickly? I'm going to auction this one off quick. This only will produce some courage in you, but it'll produce some companions in your life. I'm telling you, there's a bond. You talk to men that have been in war and they've been in them foxholes and in them trenches fighting the enemy. It's put some companionship. It's, it's brought them together. It's created a bond in those people that they'll last for a lifetime. 
They were fighting together in them trenches. I'm going to tell you something spiritually. When you get saved and everybody starts getting attacked because you're not running in the same excess of riot, everybody else has been through that and it creates some companions in your life. You start getting some saved people, some saved brothers and sisters that'll love you and have been through them old trials and stand in the battles and fight for you. You know what? It don't tear you apart. Church, church problems, church fights, if you'll let it, they can draw you closer to the other people in the church. Some companions. He said, you, you, were, you started growing and, 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 and uh, uh, you got saved and uh, you were made a gaze and stock made fun of, but so were other people. And you know what it did? It drawed you together. Now, drawed's not a word, okay? But I can use it because I can. Man, I got some. I started thinking about some of them men. Brother John, uh, you, you and Brother Reed and these other men in this church have got a bond. I, I got bonds with Brother Jeff and them men because we fought some battles together. And hey, you young men, if they attack him, they ought to attack all four of you. That's the way God wants it to be. I'm not going to let the world attack people in this church and not stand for you. If I do, I'd about vote me out. If I don't have enough guts and love to stand with God's sheep when they're under attack, I ain't worth nothing. You ought to draw nigh to God and draw close to one another. And if that ought to be about like a family, if you're going to attack him, you're going to attack me. Right? Now, I'm not talking about fist fighting and all that, but you understand what I'm saying. Now... You're going through something. You know what I, I tell you? I don't take for granted one, just like Miss Sandra said, I don't, I don't take for granted one text, one phone call when you're down and you're in despair. And all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, somebody will send you a little card to just, just as simple as just, hey, I want you to know I appreciate you and your family. You don't know how much that helps people. And just put some... Man, that's what we need. People, and people need to look at churches that way. I, I, I want to I jump in uh, all the way with God's church, and I want to get in the fight and get in the battle, and I want to form some companions in that church, and I want to stand with them. I want them to stand with me. That's what we we got to have each other. That's why he's saying, as you see this day approaching, you better exhort one another, provoke them, assemble together because you're going to need each other. And so it produced some companions. Look at, look at the next point. I'm not going to be able to give you all this. I'm going to do it quick. Now look, he said the next thing it does, in, in verse number 33, he gave courage in verse 32, he gave companions in 33. And now look at verse number 34, it ought to produce some compassion in you. For you had compassion of me and my bonds. You know why they had compassion? Because they had been through afflictions and reproaches and they knew what it was like to be attacked and to be without and to be lonely and they had been through it and you know what it did? It produced some compassion in them. Don't, don't, don't get hardened and get bitter at the things that come at you in life and how that uh, the economy may go down and the coronavirus and all this other stuff. Don't let that get you bitter and get you down. It ought to produce some compassion in you. Now I've got some compassion with people that are sick that I didn't have before. Amen. I'm able to say, man, I know what they're going through. I know what it's like. Isn't that right, brother? <laughs> you knew what I was going through is why you text me. You'd been there. It produced some compassion in us. If you're hurting and you're down, you get through something, that ought to produce a compassion in you for other people that are struggling. But you know what it does usually? It produces a pity party. And a lot of us, Eeyore, Nobody loves me. I just got your little cloud following you and all the rain all over you. 
Don't let it do that to you. Let it produce some courage in you, some companions with other people, and let it put some compassion in you. Have compassion. I'm telling you something. I know we got to go home. People are hurting out there, church. These people in this church is hurting. And you know what they might need? They might need you to lose sight of yourself long enough to just give them a phone call. How you doing? You know how much I like doing that? Can I be honest with you all for just a minute? You know how much I enjoy doing all that stuff? You know how much I enjoy being on that phone texting and calling? Very little. Very little. I don't like all that stuff. All that mushy emotional stuff. It's just not my thing really, you know. I just figure you won't be left alone when you're sick. But there's a lot of people that don't. They need to know you care about them, right? So you say, well, that's not my personality, really. Well, get over your personality because your personality's wrong. Quit hiding behind your personality. You don't get to excuse yourself for God and say, well, you know my personality. I'm a loner, God. No. Let it produce some compassion in you. We're done now. I'm, 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 done, I'm done with this. The last one of the year, and you can, uh, I went too long, and that'll be okay. But look what else it can produce in us. You know what I'm going to let this year do for me? I'm going to let it produce some courage in me, some companions, some compassion. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to let it dry me up on my giving either. It produced some communication. Those sufferings or those afflictions and those trials, it's produced some things in those folks. You know what the other thing it was? It produced some communication. It was compassion. Not only just a, a concern, but it was coupled with a desire to do something and a performance of it. They weren't just compassionate. They followed through and said, you know what? I'm going to do something about what that man's going through. I'm going to communicate with him. Amen. And by communicate, I mean giving. Yes. Oh, here he goes again with that money. Yeah, I'm going to. So just buckle in real quick. He said, you know what you did? You communicated with me. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about giving. They provided for his necessities. Right? And I appreciate this church. I'm glad I don't have to spend a lot of time on that, but I need to mention it because it's when you get to suffering and get to going through things, can I just exhort you? This year's been a rough year. It's been a rough year financially. There's people hurting financially. God's been good to us, so now. But God's, I mean, things have been rough financially. But can I say something? Don't let suffering and trials and afflictions dry up your giving. Amen. Right? If anything, give more. That's what I think about it. Amen. Give more. I believe that. Don't let it dry up your giving. He communicated with them. Had compassion, courage, companions. Now look at this last part right here. Verse number 35. Cast not away therefore your... What's that last word? For ye had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully of the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. So they had confidence... Boy, I don't have time to go through all this. I got to quit tonight. Let me just at least mention these, and you can study them as you go home because I've been too long. But uh, then he looks at what it did produce in them. He said, Look, what you've been through in your past, look at what it did for you. Let this same trials you're going through now do the same thing for you. And then he said, Here's the possibility of what it can produce in your life. Here's what these trials of afflictions, here's what they can do for you. He says in verse number 36, he said that um, they can produce some patience in your life. And I don't have time for that. Romans 5, we know, and Hebrews 11 uh, deals with it quite dramatically. But we need patience. I believe Hebrews 11 goes on and talks much of that. 
And so it has in a, the addition of patience and then the appreciation of promises. For you have need of patience. I'm not coming back here, so I'm just going to read through it, okay? For that you have done the will of, for after that you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And so there's an addition of patience and then appreciation of the promises. Um, you know, after you've done the will of God, you've patiently and you've endured and you've gone through things. When, man, those promises are fulfilled, we have a greater appreciation for them. Uh, when, when God comes through for you, you know, being in the desert that we've been in, I appreciate more of the little things. Brother Ben mentioned it, and I'm done with it. Brother Ben, you mentioned just something as simple as opening up a place for you to preach. We probably took for granted before. And now just get an opportunity to do something for God. We appreciate that a little more. And so let these trials of afflictions do that for you in your life. And produce some patience and patience, experience, experience, hope, you know, in that verse in Romans 5. But then it produce, it can uh, possibly have the appreciation of promises. And I'm done with this, but the ability to please. And I hate that we didn't get time to spend much here. But for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And uh, so just know in, these la in this last verse, this is dealing with pleasure. It says that we're, we're not of them that draw back unto perdition. Uh, you're, um, if you do draw back and allow these afflictions and sufferings to cause you to draw back, it's affecting your pleasure. You're pleasing of God, right? Your pleasure, but mainly your pleasing of God. He's not going to be pleased with you doing that. But what he's given you here is he's given us some, uh, what, I, what I believe is exactly what this is saying, is that you're not drawing back on the perdition. That question's already been answered. You know perdition means damnation. That's the same word. It's translated damnation, destruction. In, in, in the Bible. And so he's saying, you're, you cannot draw back to the degree that God will, that you'll no longer be a son of God. That's what that's saying. You're, you, the question of you ever being under the condemnation of God was already answered when you believed on his son. And now, therefore, there is no condemnation of them that, received, that, that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. And if, if that verse meant anything else, we'd be in big trouble. But uh, it doesn't. So any man draws back my soul. So you know what I want to do this year? Let's take what we've learned through this year and what God's put us through. Let it do all those things for us. And let us just go on to do the pleasing will, to, to doing the will of God and pleasing Him. Right? Stand to your feet. We're done tonight. Thank you for being patient with me tonight. I'm sorry I went a little longer. Uh, but we, uh, we certainly don't need to draw back uh, and, uh, and have that affect our pleasing of our Lord. But I'm glad to know that no matter what, I'm safe in Jesus. Now, let me say this, folks. As he's getting ready to sing, if you need to come. You know, Jesus said about hell that it would be better for a man to enter in lane. To have an eyeball missing. Than to enter into hell whole. You'd be better to enter into heaven having removed your own eyeball. Now, I don't believe that's figurative because the whole chapter is literal. Here's what I want to say to us this year. That communicating that he's talking about, if he's telling our loved ones, it'd be better for those that we love that are lost without Jesus, if it's better for them that they literally remove their eyeball out and enter into hell, then what should we be willing to lose so that they don't go there? You ever think about that? 
What are you willing to give up? How much time, how much effort, how much are you willing to give up to make sure nobody else enters into that place that Jesus said was so terrible? Money, time, giving of yourself to reach folks with the gospel. It's still good for us in 2021. This is going forward this year to reach people with the gospel. Are you with that? You believe that? You think the Great Commission don't apply now because we're all going through a rough year and got coronavirus? No. We ought to keep on trying to reach people for Jesus. And we cannot do it curled up in a ball in our bedroom scared to death. Right? Full assurance of faith that us draw nigh. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for your help. Thank you for the patience of our folks that are here tonight, the preaching. We thank you for the truth of the Word of God. And I'm thankful tonight, Lord, for this much that I'll never, never, never be condemned and destroyed in destruction of hell. I'm saved and safe and kept by the power of God through Jesus Christ. Thank you for that. If there's any here tonight lost or struggling, may you help them, Lord, and give them what they need. In Jesus' name, amen. He's going to sing one verse. If you need to come, come on. <laughs>